Hey, St. Paul, and welcome to episode two on our discussion of Brennan Manning's book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. Uh, It's for a bedraggled world. It's for a burnt out world. And I think, Tommy, we all feel that way, that we're burnt out, we're bedraggled, we're puzzled, we feel overwhelmed, if you will. Exactly, John. And in our last uh, session in the first chapter of this book, what Manning was really focusing on was we're accepted by God just as we are. We don't have to prepare ourselves to be accepted by God. We don't have to perform any kind of ritual to come to the grace of, of Jesus Christ. He accepts us just like we are. And that is obviously the ragmuffin part of all of us. We're all sinners. As Paul said in Romans, we all have fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. No one is perfect. And we don't have to be perfect to come before the throne of grace and be accepted by Jesus. I think that that is one of those things that is so difficult to wrap your mind around because we crave to just bask at those moments where we feel that we're accepted, whether it's from children, co-workers, friends, whatnot. There's just this desire to be, to be good enough, to be a part of somebody else's, of somebody else's world. And so we measure all of the things that maybe have caused a ripple effect that divided that relationship or, or whatnot, where we feel disconnected or unaccepted, and we go into overdrive trying to fix it. What do I have to do? And, and we just become worn out. We become burnt out. I, I remember reading A.W. Tozer and his book, Created to Worship, And one of the things that he uh, writes in that book was, as he's talking about the creation of Adam and Eve, he basically writes it this way, and I'm going to put it in my own words. He gives Adam and Eve, God gives Adam and Eve this purpose, a purpose that has not been shared with any other part of the creation, a purpose that is for Adam and Eve and humanity as, as a whole. And that purpose was, look around. What you see is yours. Look at me. I am yours. And when I look at you, I will see my reflection in you. And unfortunately, we come to places where our hearts challenge that we are this reflection of God. God did not come down to walk and talk with the fruits and the vegetables or the raccoons. He came down to have fellowship with humanity. So when we move from chapter one of the Ragamuffin Gospel to chapter two of the Ragamuffin Gospel, there is a thin connection from being in a place where you bask in that acceptance that God has truly accepted you, then to the reality of how this is played out. I want to read a quote on page 35, at least it's 35 in my book, He begins the chapter by talking about the majesty and the the width, the breadth, the height, the depth of the universe. And then he gets to this quote here, creation discloses a power that baffles our minds and 
beggars our speech. We are enamored and enchanted by God's power. We stutter and stammer about God's holiness. We tremble before God's majesty, yet we grow squeamish and skittish before God's love. It's like we don't find ourselves actually believing that God loves us. We don't, John. And the first page of this chapter gives us a small glimpse. And if we can wrap our minds around the universe. And he goes into the creation of the universe. And Joseph Campbell wrote of a perception of a cosmic order mathematically definable. As they contemplate the order of the earth, the solar system, and the stellar universe, scientists and scholars have concluded that the master planner left nothing to chance. And there are all kind of statistical numbers that quantify the earth. For example, one of the things that just blew my mind when I read this, do you know how much the earth weighs? 26 sextillion tons. Now that's 26 zeros. <laughs> Unbelievable. 26 I, zeros. I want to see the scale that they actually used. <laughs> I know. I know. So, and then we go on and he, he goes to talk about if this happened, we wouldn't have oxygen on the world. So the whole cosmic universe was planned in divine order that everything worked as it's supposed to work. And we can only think of our own bodies. Just think about things we, we barely ever think about. Is our heart beating, our lungs breathing, the natural things that occur in our body when we eat a banana, for example, the digestion and absorption. And do we ever think about that? It's hard for me to believe that that came out of the ocean in the form of a tadpole or something like that. That was planned by our awesome God. And the theory here is if we accept that God is an awesome God, and we go back to the Old Testament, we see always that God is an awesome God. But I think sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, this God is holiness. He's a, he's a justifier. He's a judge sitting up in heaven with his hammer ready to nail us if we do something wrong. And he's full of wrath. And maybe that came from our early childhood, from a parent or from a church. And I can remember growing up years ago in the 50s in some of these hellfire bent breaches they would preach hellfire and damnation it just scare you to death but that's not our god that is not our god we have to understand that god accepts us who we are and exactly how we are and we can't confuse love and grace i really believe that there's two vantage points that we all find ourselves stuck in it's either one or the other. It's that God that is transcendent, that God that is somewhere out there, the distant God that speaks and creation leaps into existence, the God of the universe, the God that holds it all together, the God that has mathematically in such wonder and awe and specifically ordered things and made things that they are off just by a half a degree changes the trajectory of everything that is flying through creation 
And we stand at awe of that. And then there's this picture of God throughout Scripture that is this intimate God, this personal God, the God who breaks into time and space and walks alongside of you, the God who in 1 Kings chapter 19 says to Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? (laughs) The God who speaks through Isaiah about a child that would come to be the lamb led to the slaughter for our sins. This personal God, as Genesis 2 says, is forming out of the dust of the earth and breathing into the nostrils the breath of life. And we find ourselves, instead of allowing both of those to be in tension, we want to have one or the other. We'll be amazed or find it more simple in our lives to be amazed and worship the God that is out there, the God that is distant, the God that is all-powerful, omnipotent, is other, and find it very difficult to step into a God who is intimate, personal, and willing to walk alongside of us, which brings us to this chapter, Tommy. This chapter is about not only believing that you are truly accepted by God and all the ramifications of what that might mean, but that this God actually loves you and me. And for our response, not to be squeamish not to be skittish, as he quotes Julian of Norwich. Yeah, The greatest honor we can give God is to live godly, joy-based lives because of the knowledge of his love. It's an honor. Yeah. It's a privilege that we can give Almighty God to live gladly. Yeah. You know, John, we can go back to the New Testament now. We can see how the legalistic Pharisees viewed God. They had all these laws, all these little, little bitty laws. You remember at the uh, Wailing Wall, the yeah. Pharisee praying, and he says, God, thank God I'm not like that sinner over there. Mm. So we don't have to be perfect. We, nobody is perfect, never will be. Only one person was ever perfect, and that's our model. But we cannot from a humanity standpoint, be perfect. We are all sinners, and God accepts us. And if God created us, why in the world would he not take care of us? I mean, let's think about it. You buy a new car. That's something that you value, and you're going to take care of it. You're going to have it maintenance on a, uh, a regular basis. You're going to probably wash it for the probably the first year and clean it up. But after that, it's probably going <laughs> to go into the trash vehicle, you know, like mine is. But, but the point is we accept the fact that we're not perfect and never will be. And that's why Jesus came to redeem us. That's the whole plan of God is redemption. And when we accept ourselves as we are, too, we become at peace. We don't need to impress other people. We accept ourselves, who we are, that God gave us this body and this mind and this, this spirit, and it's our responsibility to grow that. And if we, as we talked in the uh, in this celebrations of discipline, we put ourselves in a position where God can transform us into the likeness that he, he intended for us, that he created us to be. 
This chapter is so inspiring because it really points out, it gets to the bottom, to me, of our society. And where we all find ourselves right. at times. Right. And think about God is, this, is, is the big God, not this guy up there with a hammer waiting to knock you back into reality. Just think about the perception of ourselves. How do we perceive ourselves, and how do we perceive God? Think about Joshua and Caleb when they were the 12 spies to go into the promised land. Right. God had already promised them a promised land. They've already, he'd already re- rescued them from slavery in, in Egypt. And what did they do in the wildernesses but complain and this and that? And then he provided manna for them, quail for them, water for them. But when they came back from the scouting mission, what happened? Ten of the twelve said, oh, no, we can't go there. My gosh, these, these people are giants. They'll kill us. We're like grasshoppers. Joshua and Caleb said, God has already promised us this. We need to go in and carry forth with what he's promised. Tommy, that is spot on. Here's the issue. What the Israelites were experiencing at that moment, I truly believe, is what we all experience. We will look back over our life and we will affirm in our past where we have been recipients of God's love. We will say, yes, it was then, it was then. And then other times we'll get more specific and other times we'll be broad. We can see those. Even in our present, we can look in our immediate past and and present and we can see, yes, I have felt the loving hand of God. I know God is with me. But where we find ourselves in the same shoes as the Israelites, Tommy, is we question if God is going to be loving in the future. And that's where they were. The spies come back. Ten of them say, we can't do it. Where in the world? Now, I got to tell you, if I'm there with them, I'm probably going to feel the same way. I'm not elevating myself. I'm trying to embrace their humanity and mine. But where in the world would they get the idea that God had brought them to this desert to die, to not fulfill the promise of 450 years earlier that he made to Abraham? Right. That God would not move in that way to take even giants, to bring him to that place that was promised. And we live in that tension. They're the people of Israel. Would they follow the 10 spies? Or the two spies, the 10 spies who thought, man, this is too big for God. This is too big for us. Or the two spies. Yes, but we are loved. We are chosen. We are people who are special in God's eyes. We are accepted. And we have to see ourselves as God sees us. Absolutely. And that's the perception that those 10 spies had of themselves, that they did not see themselves as God saw them. And as you just alluded, why in the world would God go through all these events to bring them to die in some forgotten wilderness? And that's the promise he has for us. When we are challenged with things in our everyday lives, Do we let circumstances dictate how we respond? Or do we focus on God? Because he is in the circumstances, whatever Mm -hmm. they might be. And they might be to let us know that maybe we're on the wrong path. Or maybe it's to create an opportunity. 
But we have to see ourselves as God sees us. And that, to me, is a challenge for us as Christians. And as you pointed out, it's just mind-boggling to accept the fact that we are accepted just like we are. And guess what happened to the ten spies? They never saw the promised land. That's right. And that's what will happen to us if we don't see ourselves as God sees us because we're putting a shackle around ourselves, around our feet and our hands. We will not be able to see what God is doing in our midst because we'll always be looking at the fear. Right. We'll always be living into the tension of questioning, well, am I good enough? Do I deserve it? I don't know about you, but there are times when I look at my lovely bride after 30 years, uh, nearly 30 years of being married, and I think to myself, sweetie, what in the world were you thinking to marry me? (laughs) I am not the most lovable person, but neither are any of us when it comes to seeing ourselves through the eyes of God. We're not lovable. First John chapter four, verse 10. And this is John writing in the epistle, his first epistle. He says, and this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be an atonement or a propitiation for our sins. Love is not defined or categorized by what we do in response Love is what God has modeled for us. When Jesus was sitting with his disciples in John 13, verse 1, this is the chapter it begins with him washing his disciples' feet. Verse 1 talks about knowing that his hour had come, knowing that he was going to leave the world. The scripture says he had loved his disciples, showed his love, and that he would love them to the end. And there in that verse, you have the past love of God, the present love of God, and the affirmation that to the end, God would love. Tommy, I don't know about you, but what would be different for you, for me, for all of us, if we stopped getting so academically minded when it comes to God's love? And we just, as Brendan Manning said, just contemplate the love of God. John, that is an excellent point because one of the notes I took was intellectual knowledge of Scripture and God is not the answer. The answer is getting to know him on a personal basis, having a personal relationship with him. And our experience in our seeking God has to be rooted in Scripture God's written word and asking God through prayer to reveal the meaning of his word and then practicing that meaning in our everyday world. The more we do that, the more we become closer to God and more we realize not only the awesome nature of who he is, he has no limits. We do. And sometimes we, we feel like we are a little bit smarter than he is. And once we come to the realization, this grace and love, and the empowerment of God's love equals his grace. 
we don't deserve anything. But gosh, we've been given so much by His grace. Think about the freedom that this gives to a believer's heart that they get to a point where they actually believe that they are not only accepted, but loved. That they allow their heart and their head, as Manning says, to be pierced by this truth. It is then and only then that they are able to accept themselves as children of God. Exactly. Just think of the tension we carry to be good enough. What if we were just able to throw those all away just for a moment, just just say for the next five minutes, 10 minutes, no matter where you are listening to our podcast, maybe just you're driving, maybe you're walking. If for the next five minutes, you could just bask and allow this truth that you are accepted and loved, allowed that to pierce your heart. Imagine what that could do for you. Exactly. I want to read a a, a quote from Ignatius of Loyola. The direct experience of God is grace. There is no one to whom it is refused. No one. The only thing God asks of us, that we are people of prayer who live close to God, people from whom God is everything and from whom God is enough. That is the root of peace. We have peace when God is all we seek. Remember, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. And everything else will be added. That's right. Everything else is taken care of. It's an awesome revelation to know and to accept the fact that no matter our past, no matter our present, or whatever is going to happen in the future, we are accepted just as we are. Just as I am, I come to thee. It's an awesome, awesome experience to finally realize and accept that fact. I do appreciate you being a part of our podcast, uh, whether you're listening from Amazon, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or from our website. We would love to hear from you. If you would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at podcast at spumccolumbus.com. That address will be in our show notes. And be sure to uh, subscribe through whichever distributor you are listening from. And we, we certainly appreciate you being here with us today. And now may the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.